I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, a podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm a comedian and I'm ignorant and that's why we're here, to learn and grow and laugh and maybe wonder why I say such dumb things. Ah, Thanks for being here, you guys. If you're new to the podcast, subscribe, rate, review it on iTunes. It helps. Um, It makes other people find it and, and then more people listen and then more people learn or more people wonder why they're listening uh thank you to all my subscribers and reviewers you guys i've gotten a bunch of new reviews and they make me really happy um and uh except for whoever said that i'm almost as good as bert kreischer how dare you i'm kidding he's the best (laughs) uh anyway um oh big thank you to my idiot savant nick who uh, subscribe to my Patreon, just like my best idiot forever, Kathy Farrell, aka my mom, is now subscribing to my Patreon. You guys, go say hi to my mom in the Patreon group and um, give me money. Uh, Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed if you want to donate. There are postcards coming to postcard people in the mail. I know they're late. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm overwhelmed. You're like, I don't care, bitch. Give me my postcard. Um, last but not least, thank you to new subscribers, new patrons, Alexis Dent, Brittany Lindsay. Hey, girl. Oh, my God. I'm going to be in Tampa in November. I'll see you then. Also, uh, shout out to Andrea, who's also in Tampa, but I shouted her out last week. <sighs> Doug Mayer, Hillary Schneider. <clears throat> I'm not editing that out even though you guys were grossed out by me coughing. Michelle, and name correction to last week, uh, Aaron Preuss, who I called Arian Prius. <laughs> My bad. Um, the guest this week, let's just get into it, you guys, because I, I just want to get this out, um, and I love you all. My guest this week is Merritt Lemons. She opened for me in Springfield, Missouri, and she's a comedian based out of Kansas City, and she's a single mom. So we talk about how, ba- how balancing that goes and the sacrifices you make uh, both as a comedian and as, and as a, excuse me, and as a single mother and, uh, how she finds a balance in those and, uh, you know, how that feels. So yeah, here we go. She's great. A lot of energy. We had a lot of fun. Please enjoy this podcast. I love you all. Merit Lemons. Hey, idiots. Welcome to Ignorance is Blessed. I'm here with Merritt Lemons. Hello. Um, amazing comedian. We're working together. She's featuring for me in Springfield this weekend. Um, by the time this is out, you will have missed the shows, but they're going great. Yeah, right. Um, okay, let's just get into it because I want to ask you about, I don't know, um, being a single mom. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been doing comedy? Um, a little over four years. Yeah. And how yeah. old is your uh, son? He's 10. 10? Yeah. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ah, yeah, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> now it is. It was a little rocky at first. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> were they? Were people like, You're... oh, fuck, yeah. Especially my family. Because they're like, You're a mom. You can't. All of it. They just were like, Are you that delusional that you're going to do this? Like, at this, you know, they, a lot of people just were very, you know mean and like dream killing and we're just like 
don't you think you should have thought of that before you had a kid and like I, I don't know. That's just not how my life worked. So. <laughs> You're like, well, I have a kid, and I thought of it now. So yeah, and I don't think that life is like that simple. Like I don't. I guess that's great if your life works out in some kind of linear fashion like that. But I don't know many artists who their life does. Like yeah, we're just like everything happened at a specific time when it was supposed to. Oh, I got married, and then I had a kid, and then. I didn't have any dreams after that. How crazy. Isn't that crazy? What a gift, right? <laughs> no, it's just funny. I think how people act like it's, um, well, A, I think it's funny how, if you think about it, nobody would go out for comedy or really anything in entertainment if you were looking at just the raw statistics. Yeah. If you were just looking at like the statistics. Like, what are the odds of me being successful? Exactly. Like nobody would go out. So then it's like, why focus on that? Because that then nobody would do it so it's like you kind of have to have a bit of delusion just a drop not too much but just yeah just a drop of delusion like, i could do it <laughs> right i could be the exception something has to push you over the edge because it's true it isn't logical it's not a logical plan but i don't think artists are logical none of us are like we're not we're passionate driven creatures and so it's just hard for people that aren't that way to understand your decision making because you know it's like i'm not a banker i'm not a lawyer i'm not a accountant like i don't look at life like that i just don't yeah about like how can i make enough money to afford this quote milestone or, or make just... everything so risk-free and you know what i mean like yeah and, and everything's so calculated like well that just isn't who i am and i don't and i think that's okay because <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to be to be in this business because nobody yeah nobody would do it if you were looking at the numbers oh absolutely not um did you know before you got into it um, that you wanted to be a comedian? Like, how'd you get into no, comedy? No, not at all. I, I, it came out of nowhere early. And, and it was really weird because once all the pieces came together, it was almost like, I can't believe I didn't come to this conclusion earlier. I oh, can wow. only blame it on my religious upbringing. Really? What kind of, like, what? Like, uh, super Christian? Christian, yeah. Yeah? Were you in a house with a lot of, I don't know, just Christian rules? Yeah, a lot of rules and a lot of like psychological brainwashing you know because the the whole christian model is very um it's religion it, whether they i mean they come out and admit it or not they're nobody would like support your dream in entertainment in that world like nobody would be like oh yeah you should be because they their whole thing is like separate yourself from the world you know like be different or whatever so the idea of somebody being like oh i feel called to do this they would be like blasphemy yeah they're like you it's not god so right. it's not a calling it would be like right up there with me i mean for some people it was right up there with me being like i feel called to be a porn star they're like there's i mean i've had people <gasps> be like there's no way that's possible you know that that's your dream because it's evil evil yeah to be a comedian yeah my parents had a really hard time with it at first they're like, like telling the truth <laughs> just the fact that they were like our daughter is cussing on a stage oh really yeah that they was were, like, like torn up about tipping it point like, she's a sinner yeah oh my god. So, yeah no i think that really blocked me from seeing what i was good at because mm. i just never even entertained the idea pun intended of entertaining <laughs> i never entertained it but i've always been a goofball i've always been the type of person where i'm constantly trying to make the waitress laugh the cash like almost like an old man like I oh the guy who's like it was terrible <laughs> and the waitress is like shut the fuck up and dip me <laughs> <laughs> i just like found that my whole life that i was constantly trying to make people laugh just for the hell of it and that combined with the fact that i've always been a writer and I started to notice at some point in the end of 2013 that I felt like my a lot of the stuff I would write was, A, usually comedic, no matter how serious I was trying to be. There was always jokes in it. Yeah, like even if I was talking about like my depression or something, yeah. it was just like I couldn't help but make it a joke. And the other thing I was noticing was all of my stuff that I was writing sounded better read aloud. 
Yeah. And it was really weird how I made this connection. And all of a sudden, like, I just, I had heard about this thing called an open mic because I, <laughs> I listened to stand up comedy at my day job at the time. Oh, amazing. Because I got tired of music, you know, when you're like just tired of just listening to repetitive. music. Repetitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was listening to like, the Sklar brothers and like Maria Bamford. And I just, I didn't even know I liked stand-up comedy until I started listening to that stuff. And oh, wow. it was really weird how it all kind of came together. And I was like, um, I don't know. I just, it just all made sense one day because I, I remember them talking about in their, their material about this thing called open mic. So I Googled it and I found Stanford and sons, which is like my hometown club. And so I just went up and, and did a set and I was terrible, but I had this like gut feeling as an artist. Like I've done, I've done a lot of stuff and I've been really shitty at it and some stuff I've been really good at. So I know when I start something, if I have potential, because I know what it's like yeah, to yeah. know that you could take all the ballerina classes in the world. I'm never going to be a ballerina. Yeah, like it's not happening. I'm yeah. not getting into Juilliard. But I felt it. Like I was like, there's something here. And I, yeah. and I sucked for like a really long time <laughs> and I knew it. And I was like, it's good that, you know, a lot of people don't know that when we, when we start, we suck. Some people are like, I'm a star or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like what made me realize how bad I sucked was when I, I had my first good set like six months in. And then you're like, oh, this is how this feels. <laughs> like this whole the time. laughter. <laughs> like this whole time. I've been like so much worse than I could have ever imagined. You're like, there's the dragon. I didn't know I was chasing. <laughs> exactly you're like thank god that happened i was one month away from becoming a spoken word poet right like, i'll just be a silly poet no but i do remember the first time i heard like the roar of laughter like in unison I, i'll never forget it because i called uh this friend of mine um actually i think it was like west van horn and i was <laughs> like i called him and i'm like uh, i made him all laugh at once and he was and like, like yeah that's yeah, what you're that's... supposed to do <laughs> he's like what have you been doing the rest of the time and you're like i don't want to talk about it right exactly the important thing is is that i did it tonight and i'm gonna do it again <laughs> if it kills me but like like christmas like night or whatever christmas eve like i just remember feeling like a little kid the first time that happened that was like oh my god this this is what i love this is what i wanted this is what i want to do yeah so. amazing was that uh as a parent and stuff? Because you were a single parent when you got into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was like six, I think, when I started. Did you have to, um, did you have to like come out as an artist and, and be like, listen, I'm going to be trying to do this stuff to your family? Or because I imagine you had to get people to well, help watch you watch him and stuff. <laughs> or did you drag him to open mics with you? No, I wish. Like my mom did to me with AA meetings. <laughs> right. No, he's on the car. Um, he's fine. <laughs> No, I uh, I did. I did have to have my parents. And that was difficult because they were not on board. And they were very vocal and very discouraging and very like just so every time like I would go out to a show like I my dad, especially he's no longer on this earth. But I always joke that it's not a joke that I can handle <laughs> any heckler because my dad was the worst heckler. Oh, wow. Like as a person, that's what he was like a heckler. And I just every time I would go out for a gig, he would make it very clear to me that he was not happy about my choices in life and that like. We'll watch your kid, but we think that you're a fuck up. Like you're like this is ridiculous. I'm like anyway, I got a show, so uh, like, <laughs> thanks for supporting my dream, right? And so yeah, it was a lot of that. It was, I mean, it still is, yeah, a guilt ridden endeavor because it you do you have to make huge sacrifices as a parent and especially as a single parent. And I, all I can really tell you is that I try to make every moment count, and that the nights that I'm sitting there in open mic and I'm waiting to go up because I'm trying to work on something and the line gets long and I'm about to bail, I usually stick around because I think, 
I already like didn't get to spend time with my son tonight. And if I bail now, I've really wasted this night. Then it's like you didn't even work on anything. Yeah. And so I, it's what pushes me past on the times when I want to throw in the towel because I feel like I owe it to him to make my time count. Like out like doing stuff and like actually, so it's, that's all I know to do is just to make and to not dick around. You know, I, I make jokes on stage, but I try to take my career seriously because I'm not in it for a hobby. Like, yeah, you don't want to just be like the person who's socializing and not really advancing. Yeah. Do you get a lot of either outside or like internalized guilt of, oh, I should be. (laughs) Yes. Internal probably. (laughs) Now people have kind of calmed down. Like I don't get as much shit talking now that I've committed to it. I think the people the closest to me can tell it's not a phase. Yeah. They're not, you're not just like on a whim in a manic episode. Like I'm going to do comedy. I'm an artist. (laughs) Right. Like I'm going to run a marathon. You're like, oh, she's, she's still at it yeah so people have become and and you know what's funny is that i mean anytime you stick to something and you push past that point of like people talking shit eventually the people that are talking shit end up i mean it's cheesy but sometimes they end up being your biggest fan yeah because they're like oh wow you really stuck to it yeah and they feel stupid for having doubted you all those times i think and it's weird how it turns on its head like that but if you can push past and then the other thing that's cool is Every once in a while, people are like, you really inspire me. And that just doesn't even occur to me that what I'm doing might inspire somebody else to do the same thing. But that's badass. Like, yeah, because that's what inspired me to do it. Like, it's just seeing other listening to comedy and and hearing people's stories of like, especially like Maria Vanford. I don't know if it's just because she's from the Midwest and she has like mental health issues. But like just that kind of shit, like inspired me so much that like maybe flying your freak flag is what the world needs. (laughs) Yeah, Like just be the most authentically yourself. That the world is like hungry for that. Like people who are just people want to feel like, well, because there's so much. I mean, that's what I love about Maria Bamford talking about her mental health stuff. And like anytime I hear people talking openly about their quirks or just their things that are quote perceived as like, oh, that's a thing that you like just keep tucked in. You don't like talking, Uh you know, put a smile on and everything's okay and you're doing well. I I just it makes people feel okay with not being okay. This (laughs) cookie. Well, because we're all taught to like try to be this cookie cutter of a human Uh that doesn't exist. And you're like, oh, I'm just supposed to be what, a perfect, the like picturesque single mom with a like a superhero cape on. And or like, pretend like I'm not a single mom usually is what I'm trying to do because that's yeah <laughs> more of a but it doesn't work. I don't I don't even realize how much the world notices because I've never been married. So I don't and I don't I mean, I mean, respect to your marriage. I just it's just not something that I sit around dreaming about. So I don't pay attention to people's hands. Like if they're married, if they're not, it's I just literally don't even notice. You I'm don't sorry, think guys. about it. Yeah. I, unless you have a really cool ring because I, I like jewelry, but I don't give a shit about people's relationship status. But other people do because some people put that's they're constantly I can tell people will say things to me. And I'm like, how would you know as a single mom? Yeah. And I'm like, I guess people make a lot of assumptions when you're with a kid and you don't have a ring on your finger. But it's that's so wildly inappropriate it's so interesting too that like we still live in a time where <laughs> right you'd think that like by now that'd be so normalized <laughs> i mean there's women who like just who, there's women who want kids and have artificial insemination and want nothing to do with a man and then there's like so many single moms like divorces men leaving people dying yeah is that what that's what happened to you yeah <laughs> how old how old was your son he was 18 months oh, and gosh. we weren't married. So it, were you still, were you together? No, we were not together and we hadn't talked in a while. Um, you know, it was just one of those situations where, you know, I was dating somebody and it wasn't serious and then I got pregnant and then, 
It and just, then you're like, I guess we're in this together now. Yeah, and he kind of dropped off the planet, and then like men will do anything to get out of being a dad. I swear to God, they don't. Well, <laughs> this, I probably shouldn't say anything bad because I don't want my son to hear this one day. Because my son is a wonderful person, so I don't want him of to course. ever ever like think anything bad like about his dad or anything. But yeah, he was not involved like from the get go, and I honestly, it's I wasn't bitter about that part. You know, I think what. What made me bitter is probably just being a single mom and I've struggled. I'm a lot better now, but the first few years, like I was pretty just bitter towards the world because I felt like it's so hard stuck with a kid alone, like in the world, you know, and I'm like 26 and I never thought like, like this isn't how I picture things going. Not at all. And it's very humbling. And, but then I, at the same time, like I just refuse to be a victim about anything in my life. Yeah. I refuse to live in that place where woe is me because it doesn't get you anywhere. No, you're just, it becomes a cycle. Where you're just spinning around like how sad this is, which it it is sad and it's fucked that like, especially all the like people who are so staunchly pro-life, like Christian people Mm -hmm. are not helping. They're not doing anything to help single mothers or like these people that they're like, how could you ever not keep your baby? And then it's like, you're on your own, bitch. Oh, that's the irony of (laughs) like, oh, welfare. Don't get on that either. And it's like, well, cool. Are you going to personally donate to raise my child? Right. That you didn't want me to get rid of? Like. No, it's true. They're usually politically all of those type of people are anti any government support, which is so ironic to me because 90 percent or I don't probably higher of the like support goes literally to women with children. Ugh. Like all of that. It doesn't go like it's so hard to get food stamps as a single guy. It's not people just like leeching up no, the system. They're literally feeding their children like and and the world is like, you, you just want a handout. <laughs> and they're like, I'm my child is starving. Yeah. You're like, my kid's dying. Like, can we just <laughs> I mean, I was on food stamps one time in my life. And then like and I just think it's funny because it's so humbling. People have no idea like that when you do it, it's because you're doing it on your child's behalf. You're, you're like, like, nobody wants to hit the point where they're like, I have to sign up for government help. Yeah. Like nobody wants to be that and person. And it's a pain in the ass. That's why it's so funny when people have never had it. I'm like, do you have any idea what a pain in the ass yeah, is? Yeah, you don't just like click a button and right? you're signed up for food stamps. They like make you go through yes. a rigmarole to make sure that you're not trying to fuck the system. Yeah, and you have to go in and explain your whole life story to these like random people. Like it's not simple and it is it is, it is lengthy. It is time consuming. It's humiliating because yeah. you have to tell like a stranger like your life story because they have to And know. then you have to wonder if they're just going to be like, mm, not good enough. Exactly, not poor Now enough. you know all of my things and I'm not getting it. exactly and that happens sometimes too so it's it's just funny that the world is that way but yeah i was raised very religiously so i think that is why what played into yeah my bitterness and my resentment towards the world but then it was like one day i was like i woke up and i'm like i don't have to be the person i was raised to be like yeah and that's like a weird thing there's like a bob dylan quote that i love and i'm i think it goes something like Sometimes we're born to the wrong parents or, you know, something along those lines. I've never heard that, but it's, I, I resonate a lot with that where it's like, you know, it's great if you're born into a family and you totally resonate with their values and they're, and that's just great. But sometimes we don't, sometimes we're born into a family where like our struggle is transcending that and like, and like reinventing ourselves in a way that's authentic and like being given the freedom to be who we are because that wasn't a part of our upbringing. Like, following your dreams was just not a part of my upbringing i i mean i'm wow. sorry my mom's a wonderful lady but that was not the message that it was it like you are you grow up and you become a christian stepford wife and like it was play it safe that was the message play yeah. it safe like just fit in just go it's, with the flow it's so true i mean i my mom jokes about the fact that i'm the black sheep of the family well she calls it she's like you're the tie-dye sheep (laughs) like that's because i'm such a like because my mom is crazy and i'm such a hippie and she's like you're just like the (laughs) tie-dye 
my sheep. So I'm at least lucky that she has a sense of humor about the fact that she's like, well, we're not going to change you. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, fucking good riddance. Not good riddance, but like, I mean, good for people who grow up and they're like, this is who I am. And I fit right in because it seems less stressful because then you don't have to feel like on top of everything else, you're letting everyone down by being yourself. Yeah, that is definitely how I've felt in my life at times. I mean, I think I'm past that point, but I've definitely felt like that because of how upset my parents were when I started comedy and also how, like, I hate using these terms, because, but like how meant to be it felt. Like, it yeah. felt so meant to be. Like, Serendipitous. It was, because I kept having good luck, like strokes of luck. And I can tell you that before I started comedy, a lot of the things I did, I would constantly feel like I had such bad luck at. I couldn't catch a break. And comedy just, like, continued to be not easy. Don't, no, don't get me wrong. It wasn't that. But I felt the flow. Like, I felt... Like, there were just enough things coming in that you go, oh, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, exactly. That I felt it, it just felt right all the time. And so I just, you know, and there's been a lot of times that I have thought about giving up for my son's sake because I felt like, is this selfish that I'm doing this and it's time consuming and everything. But every time I think about throwing in the towel, I don't because of him, because I think to myself, this is a bad example to show my son, someone giving up on their dreams. That is far more damaging to him yeah maybe me not being able to be to every single event and me having to you know rely on the help of others like maybe you know him seeing me follow my dreams against like obstacles is far more powerful in the long run i think so Well, because i think a lot of a lot of people end up there are a lot of artistic people that end up never exploring it and they end up miserable in their day job well because because they're no we're we don't most kids aren't taught to follow their dreams. Like how rarely is a parent like, yeah, lean into that. Like, oh, oh you right? love to paint? Let's paint some more. They're like, all right, well, enough painting. Learn how to be an accountant. It's true. But have so having someone that encourages you to like lean into the thing to you love. To take that risk because it's a risk. And like, letting him know that that's okay for you to go for something that you're like, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I feel it in my body and we're all going to die one day. So obviously you wouldn't just say that to your kid. We're all going to die one day. I don't day. know. We, we so, have some pretty con- candid go. conversations about death uh, <laughs> that make us freaks, I'm sure, to some people. Yeah, they're like, geez. Like, this is our life. <laughs> and one day it's all going to end and that's probably it. <laughs> it's true. We talk, we talk very frankly about it. But it's, I, you know, because I've lost my father and he's lost his father. And that's not really something you think about bonding with your kid on. But, but it happened. It happened. And I don't, again, you know, I'm just, I don't know if it's my personality or just, you know, I got tired of being sad. But I try not to, like, sit around being bummed out. Because the reality is, and I'm sure most people, I don't, it doesn't matter where you come from. Most people experience suffering. And if you want to, you can sit around and be sad about shit all fucking day. Like, most of us can. Like Yeah, it's easy to, like, There's all kinds of stuff bathe to be in it. About. But it's at some point, you know, yeah. life's going on. Are you going to? Are you going to go on with it or are you going to keep and live in like, yeah, you're and enjoy what you have, you know, because yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> right. Bum, bum, bum. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just welcome back to the suicide hour. Right. Um, no. So your son, he's 10 now. So is he like aware that you're a comedian? Yeah. What does that mean to him? Does he know any of your comedy or is he like, oh, my God, does he think you're like maybe the YouTube stars he watches or something? <laughs> All of it. Yeah. All of it is so pretty funny. hilarious. Honestly, his understanding of it is pretty comical because he will ask a lot, are you famous? And I'm like, no, not not yet. I'll be like, not yet. And he's like, really? Are you sure? Because I saw you on TV. Yeah. Because my mom had like shown him because I've been on most of the local 
TV stations in Kansas City. So my mom will like show him clips, and I'm like, I have to explain to him like that's local TV. Like the only people who watch it are like the elderly. You're probably like <laughs> a local celeb, though. We forget stuff like that. That it's all relative because we have this big picture of like, right? Like, well, I'm not Maria Bamford, mm-hmm. so I'm not famous. I'm but shit. yeah, but there's some people. I mean. The first time I was on the news in my hometown, people went crazy. They were like, oh, my God. Right. You're on KTVA. <laughs> oh, my. They're like recording and posting pictures. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a big deal. And then I think of, oh, before I got into entertainment, I thought the newscasters were famous. I was like, That's Maria true. Downey, the like local newscaster. <laughs> He's, but the thing that's funny to me is that I don't know how he knows my comedy. I don't know if it's from just him hearing me like listen to my own sets on my laptop. Found you on YouTube, but, yeah. But he will like do my opener. He can like literally like one day he did, and I was like, my jaw like just dropped. I'm like, how do you know all of that? Oh no, does that scare you? Are a you a little like, bit? Like, do you write jokes about him? Yes. Are you like, I don't want you to hear me being like my fucking kid i like quit telling it because it's like it well plus i just it was like a joke one of the first jokes i ever wrote so i guess i'm just like it's not even that good but he heard the joke it goes uh so i have an std uh he's 10 (laughs) his name's my guy (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny for a kid he's a great kid and like blah 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 and so he like tells it but he doesn't know what an std is (laughs) Oh no, he's gonna learn that one day and be like, wait a second. I'm like, you need to quit telling that. I'm like, oh my god, he's like getting close to uh, like health class age, too. Oh, he totally is. It's like any day now, he's gonna learn about gonorrhea in a physical education class with a slide. You liken me to chlamydia? I'm like, no, chlamydia you can get rid of with a pill. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) <laughs> no, like into to something much more serious but it, it is funny because he's definitely he he loves it like he's he very proud it. of me and he which like that's great it is i'm really lucky that he's so he is truly supportive as cheesy as that sounds like talking about your child like that but he is supportive and he's like me he's totally like me like he started like recently my favorite thing that he does i uh back like backstory we were at target one night and this like creepy guy was like following us around you know when you're like shopping and you're like that's oh you're looking for light bulbs too like oh and toothpaste and okay and tampons what's going on yeah right and so finally this like weird guy like he's like oh hey miss i was like yes i'm in front of my kid the whole time right and he's like miss uh do you uh, happen to know where the singles hang out in this town i'm new into town or whatever like you're with a kid and i was like oh my god what the fuck is wrong with this guy and so i just look at him and i'm just not like, target i know right i'm like i don't know anything about being single which is a complete lie anyone but who knows you're me like can write a fucking novel on being single but <laughs> so then after that my son like thinks it's so funny so he will call and leave voicemails he'll be like excuse me miss he will he'll go hey mom uh, i got a question for you do you know where the singles hang out in this town <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. I'm being like pranked by my son. Oh my god. Hey mom, I got a question for you. You know what singles hang out in this town? That's amazing. It's like I'm like, oh my god, you're me. Oh you're oh no, what have I done? I don't because it's like bittersweet because part of me is like You're like, don't be like me. Right? I like don't don't be like me. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> but you are. So Oh, that's really cute. So he's obviously got a sense of humor. Um Okay, so 
You were you also work in interior design, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a degree. How's that? That's your you studied that, right? I do. Yeah, I have a degree actually, a bachelor's from the Art Institute of Colorado. Art Institute of Colorado. Did you at some point when you were getting that degree, were you thinking I'll be an interior designer forever? No, I, I actually was having like second thoughts almost immediately the entire time. You're like, yeah, but I don't know what else to do. And you know, my game plan from the get go, which funny, you know, sometimes you look back and you're like, hey, 18 year old me wasn't a complete fucking idiot. Yeah. Like I had a couple good ideas. And like one of them was that I well, at that time I wanted to be a novelist or and I wanted to be wow. a, somehow I just knew that I wanted to like write stories of some kind or do something like that. You wanted to be Ernest Hemingway. Just alcoholic, but with a really well put together home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, so I saw design as a vehicle to my dreams because I thought I want, I just always knew the things I wanted to do, whether it was being a novelist or making a movie, that's another one of my big dreams, is that they were long-term goals and they were not um, something. You needed like a means to get there. Exactly. And I knew that from a young age that I, and plus being raised in like a really shitty family, um, I, from a very young age, as a, I, wanted to be financially independent which is yeah that you're like give me the fuck out of here yeah at like 13 i don't know that that's normal but i was literally trying to get jobs because same i was as soon as i was old financial enough independence to work i was like i hit the streets yeah i was no, like i do not want to rely on you i went to every business and i was like how can i work here me too my first job was at a state farm insurance answering phones oh wow because i was like do you need help <laughs> right i was my first job are was you really a good neighbor <laughs> Right. <laughs> what was your first job? A soccer referee. <gasps> I refed really? all through all through high school. Yeah, and I coached. I coached um, U eight and U six teams. Every I would work at a fast food restaurant, and then I would take a two hour lunch break and ride my bike that I had one it. of those okay one of those kid carts on the back, but oh, it was full yeah. of soccer balls. Oh my god, I love this story. Over to the soccer field, yell at a bunch of kids, and oh. be like, "Work harder!" And then ride back and finish my shift at a Carl's Jr. that I took way too seriously. Oh I was like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to wake, work my way up to management. I'm not giving anyone free fries. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you will call me boss lady. <laughs> yeah. I'm in charge here. Carl's Jr. Nobody gets a break as I'm just stealing free shakes. I'm like, this is my free meal. Did you like walk by the like fry thing and be like crispier, crispier, yeah. <laughs> harder. It's beeping. I hear it. Work faster. Drive through times. And it's just for what? I For some reason at that age, I thought that. Every, like any job you applied for would reference every job you'd ever had in your life. It was the same thing. I got a bad grade on an assignment in second grade once and I was like, I'll never get into Harvard now. <laughs> Everyone will know. I'm a fool. I've wasted my life. <laughs> and by the way, no one ever like in the course of me crying was like, that's not a thing. They were just like, well, you know, just do better next time. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I was like, fuck you guys. I cried over a drawing. <laughs> that's bullshit. <sighs> okay. So you're in interior design now. But yeah, so I yeah, I got a degree to try to use my skills to make a dependable living. And that was why I went into design. So I almost instantly was like questioning it when I got into school because I've I always like worried that I was too creative for interior design and I was too, you know, because you kind of got to like follow the there's so I'm just, sure there's like some sort of method to it. When I look at I look at design Instagrams all the time and I'm like, these are great, but they're all really similar. Yeah, it's. It's funny because it's like any other artistic field in that you can take two roads. You can be the best of the normals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the most basic bitch and like you just be really the good formula, at formula, kind of. Or you become a trendsetter, and that is a much more difficult road. But in my opinion, it's more rewarding. And 
But oh, yeah. the, design is much like that, where you can either just like copy other people and just be good at copying other people, or you take risks and put something new into the world. But there's certainly principles and elements, and I, I truly do love design. I don't think I would have finished my degree if I didn't, but I just was questioning where... Like if I fit into the industry, I think that was what was hard for me when I was young is that I did not feel like I fit into that industry because it's so, um, I mean, there's parts of it that, are, that feel kind of smug, you know, in interior design. Like pretentious a little? Yeah, exactly. You felt like the Tonya Harding of interior design? Oh my <laughs> God. I am not joking. I've said that. What? That's so funny. Like, Word for word. Yeah. That is really? so weird you say that. Well, I felt like that in so many things in my life where I was like, oh, I'm the white trash outlier i know that is I'm the tanya harding of my sorority i totally <laughs> feel like the tanya harding of interior design because there's been so many times too even as like and you know in this field where i felt like straight the fuck up i was being judged by the fact that i don't come from wealth it's as simple as that i can remember like early on in my career like pulling up to people's houses and not having a nice car and feeling judged and it i mean like how's she gonna know how to design my exactly. house exactly and i resented that whole idea that like it had anything to do with wealth it's like fuck you i'm talented and like i have an eye yeah and i have a degree like that i yeah. worked very hard for that most people like we had the highest dropout rate in our program because it was so hard yeah and it was so demanding and i'm like but people are like why aren't you in a mercedes <laughs> yeah exactly it's like you don't have a kate spade purse like what do you know i'm like i, I don't need one to know what i'm doing and like a lot of times like i hate to say it but a lot of times the women judging me haven't like ever worked for a living so they have no concept of what it's like to survive to have a career they oh don't they don't have a career they don't have a marketable skill so they don't even know what it's like to work day in and day out every time my friends were out at the bar getting laid getting drunk i was at home sitting at my table drafting Draft. not exaggerating like God. night after night, year after year that I, you know, and now, now I go out and I get drunk, but like, I, like that's cause I know what I'm doing. Right. I'm but in my twenties, I gave up so much to do it. I gave up so much to be, not only have the degree I have, but to be a single working mom. And so I just, yeah, I, there was a time that I was very bitter about that and I did not feel like I fit in. So I kind of like, was like, I don't know if this is for me. And I took a pause break for a couple years and I found that, uh, a, I missed doing design and B, there's other jobs out there and like not everyone's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like you just finding <laughs> the right niche in that field. And I love that you said the Tanya Harding thing. I always felt about comedy. A lot of the women I meet, I'm like, Oh, we're all like comedy's a place where like, we're all a bunch of Tanya Hardings right? in our own way. But it's like, Oh, most of us come from a fucked up. Oh yeah. Like, no, cause, cause you have to have like a fight in you. I think to be a comedian, there has yeah. to be, and I don't mean that like you have to be hostile, but I think I've found that there's two types of women that end up in comedy there's the athletic and the dramatic and I'm both. Yeah. And I was yeah. never that good of an athlete, but I was always an athlete. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was on every team and people were like, how, why? Like there were, why? <laughs> there were teams I was on and the coach was like, I should give this spot to somebody else, but I really like your attitude. Right. <laughs> I was like, I was on a varsity softball team and he's like, you know how to keep score. <laughs> like, I literally did nothing. I was on the bench for my hockey team. I was good at one sport and I played seven. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I was like, soccer was the one sport I could play. And then, for some reason, I was on the basketball team and I was on, I was a cheerleader and they're like, your moves oh, yeah. aren't that great, but you got a lot of spirit. Hell yeah. <laughs> your moves aren't that. You have great boobs. I said moves, but also boobs. Uh, no, I was, uh, I played soccer and basketball and I ran cross country and I don't know that I was really good at like any of them especially, but I just didn't suck. So I yeah. just like made it through like the, like that. Yeah. Uh, that you were just good enough to get 
I feel a like foot a practice dummy a lot at some point. I was like, yeah. I'm just here because the varsity team needs, needs an someone extra to dunk on. Yes. <laughs> they don't have to worry about me like twisting my ankle for the big game. Yeah, they're like in case everyone else dies, I'm on the bench waiting. Right. <laughs> like if literally every person on the team got taken out and they're like, You're in. <laughs> I know, right? That was my my junior year of high school. Uh, our girls hockey team were state champions, but we were up by like four points and there was 20 seconds left in the game. And like the first string was coming off the ice. And then like the coach held back the second string, me and these two other girls who are two of the funniest women I've ever fucking met. One of them actually, she lives in Seattle. She's gotten into comedy since like in the last like four oh, years. Awesome. Um, he's like, ah, hell get out there girls. <laughs> right. And we're just out there like barely skating like idiots. And so when the buzzer went off and we won state championship, we we're on the ice and it's like, uh, that's, that's just really funny. So funny that we have that similarity, but no, you gotta have, I think you gotta have some fight to be in comedy. Like we were, I think we were talking about the, the other day, like how you just, you have to push past so many times in this business because you just have to keep going. Cause there's going to be moments where you're like, fuck, I didn't get this. I didn't do that. I just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. It's it's an endurance. I mean, like not to be so cliche, but it it's is. a marathon, not a sprint. It totally is because think about in in. I mean, I'm sure you you know you start in L.A. and I'm sure you see it more than I do in Kansas City. But people who start and they like have a strong start and then they burn out and you yeah, don't even like they get see opportunities too soon or like right they're they're good they, and they don't even know why yeah or they just like quit and you're like where'd they go what exactly happened? there's some people who are like i forget that they aren't in the scene anymore and like they're so funny and they just went away yeah my friend buddy burnt out and i was like you were the funniest one of that group of friends that i started with and, right where'd and you go he's like why did you quit and he's like i got a great job producing and <laughs> I became a, but now he, now he's been a previous guest. So anyone listening knows, but now he's like trying to get back into it, but he feels all insecure because it's been so many years. He's like, everyone else moved on and huh. I have to go back to open mics. And I'm like, yeah, well it is. It's all in the stamina. It's, it's you got it. Cause it's, it's one of those things where I hate to say it, but it's, it's kind of like a working out, you know, if like you don't yeah use it, you lose it. Yeah. It's like, you got to get back in shape. Yeah. Now you're. Now you're obese and you lost your six pack. You got to figure Seriously, out where it is. Like I miss like five days in a row and I get on stage and I feel like an out of shape wrestler. Yeah. You know, I'm, like I'm, I'm to the point. Swapping around. I'm like, to the point when I have a night off, I'm like, ah, and I need nights off. I've had to like force yeah, myself to, to take them, but I get, if I go like two, three days, I start, I get crazy. Oh, I do. I've been like, I go talk to myself too much. I'm like, yeah, oh. I'm slipping. <laughs> I'm like sanity. Um, okay. So, goal wise like what is your next because you're working full-time interior design and uh, doing comedy pretty regularly uh, from kansas city you do a lot of the midwest stuff just mm -hmm. get on the road whenever you can i do um thinking about making the big move yeah it's that's pretty much what all my energy has been about this year it's kind of you know it's funny because like i don't know if it's this way for other people but like this last year i feel like i've had to take a couple steps back to take like a hundred steps forward yeah you know that you you realize like maybe you have to rethink your plan or redraft your what you know your strategy and i you know like most stupid people was like home oh, about to la when i have a deal or you know and then it just kind of occurred to me that a i'm never gonna stop wanting to move to la like that's never gonna end you're like the deal's probably not gonna find you in exactly. kansas city exactly and the I, odds of that are so they're not gonna happen it's yeah. not gonna happen so it's 
I just was like, okay, so even if it takes me a year or two years, this is what I'm doing. And so that's my plan. So yeah, I want to just transfer, honestly, to the company I'm working for now because they have a branch there. Yeah, in West Hollywood. So I'm just going to wait till the transfer opens up and just do and just it. leap. Have you expressed that to your company? Like if there's yeah. a transfer there, yeah. I'd like to go. <laughs> How do they feel? Are they supportive? Yeah, because a lot of people, I think, in that company have moved around with it. So they're just like, you do still you, the company you're still making money yeah. for us so and they and I, I have to say of all the jobs i've had in my field it's probably why i'm like able to do design during the day and comedy at night is because they're so supportive they yeah. literally are like we just love that you're a comedian and there's so many nights where we're closing and they let me leave early because i have a show to go to oh that's so great and i i was so worried when i took that job because sometimes people are very resentful when you work in a normal job and you have like a side like dream or some other thing where they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like Oh, you think that's important? Like, Cause they no. just clock out and go to happy hour and go home. Yeah. And, but I, I've been really impressed that everybody I work with is not like that at all. Like they're just so supportive and are like, Oh, you got a show tonight. Like we'll get out here early. So like you can, you know, and that's like, awesome. The, it's so cool. Like, so, and then they ask like how many shows go. So I know that, um, no, I, I so yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for the timing on that. And then, um, I think, and I told you this, I'm recording my first album in Yay. June. June? So, yep, on June 16th, I'm, and then I don't know how long it's going to take to release yeah, it. Yeah, well, you'll have to let me know so I can let everyone listening know how to go find it. Yep, so that's my first, it's, yeah, album recording. Do you have, that's so exciting. It is. Uh, I'm excited for you. Thanks. Um, does your son know that the eventual plan is to go to California yet? Or yeah. You, yeah, you haven't like sprung, <laughs> you've sprung it on him. You're not gonna just be like, pack up kid, we're leaving tomorrow. No, it's funny you say that. No, cause I haven't planted the seed so that he has time to adjust, but he's kind of like me. So he's already like every day he's like, so when are we moving? So when are we moving? Oh, that's good. Cause some kids would be like, don't take me away from my friends. It's yeah. interesting that he's. I know I feel you because I feel like that's part of like why I feel good about it because he's excited about it. He's not like, oh, man, we're moving to Cal. I mean, it's also like you're moving to California. It's not like like my mom moved us from Mississippi to Alaska. I was like, you're the devil. You're the devil. Mississippi to Alaska. I was like, I hate you. Why? You're a witch because she got a job there. (laughs) But she drove us there. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. In God's name. Why? I like I was like, I don't even. How long does that take? Oh, we were on the road for like 13 days. Holy shit. Yeah. Because it's just her driving. So, you know, she would f- fucking pop caffeine pills and drive as far as she could. But. Oh, mom. Uh, <laughs> oh, what a mom. lunatic. <laughs> she drove us on to like a. F- we parked our car on a ferry that took three days, <gasps> which is basically a Greyhound bus on water. Holy um, shit. Just an absolute nightmare. But, you know, you do what you got to do. It's like the Oregon Trail. Yeah. No, really. It was. I'm surprised <sighs> you didn't get dysentery. I wish I would have. I wouldn't be here. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's like I've wanted to die since I was in sixth grade. Uh, probably not completely false. Um, All right. So you feel like, are you worried about when you get to LA? Everything. I mean, everything, but I guess specifically the aspect of like not having the support system to help with having a kid. Or you think maybe by then he's going to be old enough and he'll make friends and. Well. Not to sound like a like a victim, but like I already don't have like the best support <laughs> system. In kid- I mean, I have my mom, and that's kind, of, and I have some good friends, but that's about it. And yeah. So I don't. I know it sounds. I, I just don't have a, a good family. Like my brothers are not really involved at all in my okay. life, and so I, I'm not leaving much. Is what so I. So you're not like, like that worried about it? No, because it's already hard as fuck. Yeah, okay. that's why I feel like it's already hard as fuck, and so it's like at least if it's gonna be hard as fuck, can I be like somewhere where there's there's a chance I could. There's real opportunities, you know, yeah. where I'm I'm brushing shoulders with people that could, 
help me or at the very least like right now i'm just like i just want a hero like and right now in my hometown like i hate to say it but i just don't have anyone to look up to anymore so you want to go somewhere where like there's other people who have done it bigger that you can kind of you glean from literally and i, I love that's what i love about LA. and I, I don't even mean like someone's time or their i don't even, i mean it's great when people can give you referrals and et cetera, et cetera. but i, I literally just like want to be in a real market yeah <laughs> like literally in a real where there is a chance you could get traction and things could take off yeah Exactly, where that's just not the case right now. And it's, you know, and I don't uh, resent the small start because I do think you just got to start where you are. It is absolutely. Yeah, well, you, oh, you're, you just got to start. You do. And in this business, it is never going to be a perfect uh, setup. It's just not. And that's part of the gig is that you accept where you're at, you start where you are, and you use the opportunities that are in front of you. And I feel like that's what I've done in Kansas City for four years is I have, you know, used every opportunity i have to further my craft and just to develop my material and so on and so forth and just become better at being a comedian and i'm ready you know to transplant i feel like i don't want to be a big fish in a small pond and that's what i see for people who are serious about comedy if they stay in a small market that's all they become long yeah and then you get scared to leave because you're so comfortable yeah and like where does that take you like oh cool i can be the funniest person at the office yay (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no offense. offense to anyone listening right no offense if that's you like, like. <laughs> but if you want to be a comedian that's not your dream yeah like, that's not where it is what it is do you have a big picture like a end game dream yeah like like if you were like the peak this would be the best case scenario yeah i love that you asked that that's funny i honestly i just want to make movies and that's why i got into stand-up is that i started to think like that a stand-up is like the one-man band of the entertainment world yeah, like we're the writer, the producer, we're the lead actor, we're the supporting actress. We yes. are the sound effects. We are the everything. People don't think about that. I we're think. the we're the soundtrack. A we great are, way to put it. You know, the one man band. And so I felt like if I can make people laugh for an hour, I can make a movie. I don't know why I kept thinking that to yeah. myself. Like I'm, I can pull this out into a full. If I can make me talking funny for an hour, I can make a scene filled with people and all these extra things yes, and all this, all this effects. assistance. Exactly. All this like budget and like, the con- you know, but the simplicity of literally being able to retain people's attention and not just entertain them, but like Have draw them, them in, like give them yeah. an experience, you know yes. what I mean? That they don't forget. And like, if you can do that for an hour, I was like, I could make a movie. And I, and then I also felt like being a stand up comedian was a great, um, just you know door into the entertainment industry as a solo artist because i just am mm. not a team not that i'm not a team player like but just, <laughs> i don't you know there's some people that just they, they march the beat of their own drum and i just like I, you feel like that's you yes yeah, me i'm not i see people i love improv but it's just not me like i'm just not like, i don't want to work with a team i yeah i don't want to rely on you to keep the scene going i don't i my my problem with i love improv I have too many trust issues to regularly do improv. I like don't trust anyone's oh gonna. Oh god, me either. People aren't gonna flop. No, I'm the same way. Or like, I just think humor is so subjective. So sometimes, like, I'll see something. I'm like, I don't really think what that person is doing is funny. And I would be like, and you're like, um, that's a bad idea. Not? Scratch that. <laughs> just be neg- like negated on stage, and they're like, you're not supposed to do that. And you're like, well, your idea sucked. <laughs> right? Like, it turns into like that's the funny part is me like reprimanding my teammate on like, stage, just yelling at everyone. <laughs> Um, have you written any movie scripts yet? I've written small scripts, like, but not like not anything. Long, like full, like, I've future. tried, and then I, it's hard. It is. Yeah. It's to keep the longevity. Focus. But I have like an outline for the movie I want to make. So Looks I've great. done a lot of um, 
that part like and I've done like spots like I have you know scripts like for this part and this part and I've drawn a lot of um, storyboards oh great um, they're really like probably like poorly executed but really fast so yeah, I have you're a doing ton, things that's great I have a ton of it like out like fleshed out on paper but I'm sure if somebody were to like see it they were like you can't submit this to a producer so I'm sure that it's like I mean like a pile of handwritten notes like and you're like this is my my magnum opus <laughs> but I literally have been compiling these notes for like six years yeah well I mean I will say this as far as I can tell with my experience and people I've talked to literally finishing a script is more than half the battle really? that's why there's so much garbage on tv oh. is that it's like yeah there's a million people with better ideas but none of them finish their scripts so like true you just have to like get through it no it's true because you it's true because we it's funny how many people in this business like don't have great ideas but they have stamina yeah and they they cannot finish what they they're start. good workers I'm like damn like what's that like yeah it's like that's <laughs> What's it like to just finish anything? I think it, it, it and it helps if you believe in yourself. I think that's what it is because halfway through or whatever, you're like, you start to doubt yourself and the process and you're like, it feels futile and like, no one's going to like this or, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, when you're in the middle of it, you like forget that you're like, no, this is well-crafted. You are a funny person. You get like, oh, fuck it. And you want to like crumple it up and throw it I away. Think, yeah, the creative process, I don't know why, but like you always have that midpoint of total complete doubt it's like almost like you're too close to what you're working on that's hard for you to see outside of yourself yeah you have to push through it that's like something i'm really working on this year is pushing through and finishing yeah because it's easy to get like discouraged when you've been like working on the same thing over and over and no and you feel like and then there's just like all kinds of horror stories so i try to focus on the good stories i've heard in the business focus on the positive people like yeah you can work and work and work and never make it you're like oh good (laughs) can't wait to move there can't wait to get closer to that right um do you think uh long term if everything worked out as well as you hope it will you think you would Stop doing stand up. You think you'll always do stand up? No, you'll always never do stop. Yeah, never cool. stop stopping. Never stop. Never stopping. <laughs> I I think I love it so much. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I just like I just have too many ideas for like f- like uh, full length movies. Um, I don't want to give too much away because yeah, what no, if it no, actually don't. turns into something? But um, I don't ever see myself stopping doing stand up because I just have this very not to sound like a cheese ball, but I have a very pure love of the craft. Yes, and the ability to i it's so cheesy but i just love bringing together people through laughter in a room yeah yeah no i totally feel it it transcends race it transcends religion it transcends age it transcends politics gender everything when you can like get people to laugh at the same thing it is so fucking cool like yeah it's like a weird it's a like a loving bond yes. that you bring people in a room um okay this was this has been great um where can people find you um, my website's just my name. It's just merit.com. M-A-E-R-E-T.com. Dot com. Okay, you guys go check out Merit. Uh, Thanks for lemons. having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for doing this. We're in our pajamas and we now we have to run to do another podcast <laughs> for this uh, comedy club. Um, check her out and uh, I'll let you guys know when, when her album's coming out. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, everyone. Merit Lemons, being a mom, being a comedian, doing it all. Um, check her out. I know she she uh told you her social media go follow her go check her out go see her she's all over the midwest right now so if you're a midwest idiot uh good chance to see her now before she moves to the coast because i know it gets harder and harder for us coastal elites i say wearing a bathrobe uh and 
old navy flip-flops and not being elite at all uh, you know sometimes I have trouble getting to the middle of the country <laughs> anyway if you like the podcast let me know shout at me on the internet if you like it uh, you can subscribe rate and review it on itunes share it with your friends because everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes Big, big thank you to my League of Extraordinary Idiots, John Arlett, Matt Franco, Greg Paust, Andre Jenkins, and Terry Farrell. Um, if you want to be a part of that, patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. And I will be giving a time for the latest live stream very soon. And a new podcast will be dropping in there, a bonus episode to you guys. Oh, this Edinburgh show is killing me. Uh, thanks again to Idiot Savant, Nick. And um, yeah, you guys are great. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else you find podcasts. Probably mostly just in the podcast app. That's fine. Um, yeah. If you have any suggestions or questions for guests after show, you can send them my way and I'll try to follow up. Um, if you become a patron, I will guarantee asking your questions. So that's fun. And yeah, please keep in mind, no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. Um, I guess that's it. Just keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Let me know if I'm talking too fast in these episodes. I'm really rushing here. <sighs> thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. And my... um disorganization is that the word i'm looking for yes mental disorganization as well well as physical postcards are in the mail uh that's a lie they're in the mail to me because i left them at a hotel but i'm sending more postcards because i have little faith that postcards have made it also somebody reached out and didn't get one at all if you are uh, a patron who's supposed to get postcards and you haven't gotten any please let me know because that should not there's something going wrong and i want to make sure i have your address correct uh send you another one whatever um, because I don't want you getting left out of the adventures. Ah, all right. <sighs> See you soon, idiots.